very fortuitous that Laws are Lost actually sing in English because if, if they came to me for German lyrics, the, the, the songs would just be about days of the week. Hello and welcome to the Eurowas, episode 198 for the week of June 5th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and this is my co-host, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. And today we have a special guest, Blood and Glitter songwriter, Anthony J. Brown. Hey, Anthony. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to the show. Blood and glitter, sweet and bitter, we're so happy we could die. Blood and You were part of the songwriting team for Germany's Eurovision entry this year. That's right, yes. Lord of the Lost, the aforementioned Blood and Glitter. To kick things off, what was your relationship with Eurovision before this year? Were you a fan of the contest or did you follow it at all? Yes. Yeah, I mean, probably my first memory, I mean, blimey, this will will age me a a tad, was when Bucks Fizz were victorious in Dublin, I think, in 1981. That's my first memory of this amazing, intriguing tradition. And I've I've always kept an eye on it. In terms of the UK, it's fallen in and out of vogue a little bit. You're always made acutely aware of the UK entry because quite often, I mean, it would be previewed on Top of the Pops, which was the main music weekly TV programme that had the hit parade. And quite often it charted as well in advance of, so it, it, obviously we can vote for it, but it still, it had, it had some, uh, momentum. And I think with Sam Ryder doing so well the previous year that that, the general UK intrigue regarding Eurovision returned with, with gusto. How did you get connected with Lord of the Lost? I'd been, collaborating lyric-wise with a few uh, Berlin-based groups. And a friend of mine, uh, Marty Kasprzak, what a lovely name, I just enjoy saying it, uh, was working for a record label at the time, a Berlin-based one called Out of Line, and they asked him if he might possibly know of some acts on his label who might be interested in in some uh, form of collaboration. And he thought of Lord of the Lost and the, the, the front person, uh, Chris Harms, straight away because he, he collaborates with uh, all sorts of bands and he does production as well. And we exchanged a couple of emails, Chris and I. And it, yes, it was a fairly swift simpatico. It was it was lovely. And that was that was 2015 when we were first in contact. Blood and Glitter, the album that it was on, came out toward the end of last year. Uh, I guess kind of getting into the songwriting process of it. How did the song come about? From Chris, um, ultimately, the idea, the title, etc. He'd had that for a good few months because it's it's taken... The title is from a collection of photos, a book by Smith Rock, this iconic uh, 1970s uh, photographer. 
who take loads of pictures of uh, Bowie and Lou Reed. He, he took the photo of Lou Reed's Transformer cover. And anyway, yes, he had um, he had a compilation uh, book out uh, called uh, Blood and Glitter, and that's where Chris first came across the title and was rather surprised to find that no one had written a song that he could see with that title. Because obviously it's a... Yeah, it, it's a very evocative... It's a very visual title. Yes, yes, indeed. And they are a very uh, visual band, so that that seemed this wonderful uh, self-fulfilling possibility. So, yeah, he came up with the title, and and we sort of took it from there. As a songwriter and as someone who it sounds like works in collaboration a lot, how do you find your voice changes depending on the act you're writing with? For me, it's more of a subconscious thing that a, a like to think of I, I have the capacity because I do um, collaborate with, with people across a fairly broad spectrum but I, I don't put myself into a deliberate mindset I don't think I just think I'm able to ascertain what will work for a specific song and, and a um, specific voice so I don't sit down and and think uh, resolutely about what's the, the person I'm I'm collaborating with it just it comes more organically than that speaking as someone who does a lot of their writing collaboratively like whether it's this show with with Mike and I or in other things I've written like I always love how working together as a group you kind of push an idea further than either of the individuals maybe would have on their own oh yes yeah I can I completely agree with that and uh, Chris Harms the, the Lord of the Lost well, the the fulcrum of the group, frankly, he's particularly adept at coming up with sort of snappy, soundbitey, memorable titles and interesting themes for a song. And he, he he says himself that on occasion, developing that idea from there is less his his natural uh, instincts. And so, on occasion, that's where that I would come in. Uh, but it's good because you, you're absolutely right, Ben, in that. I get taken somewhere where maybe I wouldn't have thought of myself in terms of a, a, a theme for for a song. So was Eurovision part of the plan with this collaboration or was that something that happened after the fact? Uh, now, in terms of the last three albums all had strong self-contained sort of concepts within them a thread that that fit across the the whole collection of songs for those albums whereas with this album it was a different approach where that wasn't going to be the case and part of that was the idea of thinking of writing two or three songs that would potentially fit within that Eurovision idiom and thinking of them in terms of the dynamic of the song and also in terms of the dynamic of the actual potential performance of that song at the ESC and regarding what sort of lyrical themes might pertain to a a song that was deemed um, suitable for Eurovision. So there were two or three songs on the Blood and Glitter album that that were approached in that way. And did that change your approach at all in terms of like how you were constructing the song or collaborating on the song? It was a bit different in terms of Lord of the Lost because, as I said, the the uh, three consecutive albums that I'd worked on them all had specific scenes, themes. So one was the uh, Gospel of Judas, and one was this uh, futuristic world, and one was Thornstar about this 
civilization from several millennia ago. So obviously those uh, themes had their own potential lyrical vocabulary that fit within those specific realms. And I suppose to a certain degree, greater or lesser extent, Eurovision has an element of uh, its own lyrical vocabulary too, although possibly broader, obviously, because you've got so many different countries participating. So I I don't think it was that great a a lyrical departure. I didn't have to adopt a completely different mindset or anything for the three songs. You want to write something that's maybe a wider audience than usual, but also you want to stay true to the core of the band. Yes, indeed. And as the band Lord of the Lost are really quite uh, versatile and forward-thinking in that no two albums of theirs sound the same they are the, 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 there'll be basic tenets that i suppose continue um, motifs but the, they will approach they'll, they'll put a greater emphasis on say keyboards for one album they're very um eclectic uh, which i think gives their music a, a, an extra dimension yeah and that was evident with the way that they were covering all of the other participants songs on their social media accounts and just so many different styles and reinterpretations it was really yeah. fascinating to watch chris is really is a, a, a an a, amazing i'd say amazing individually uh He's sort of very sincere, as are the rest of the band, and sincere in their intentions, which I think I'd like to think really seem to come across in pretty much all, all of their interviews regarding Eurovision. And as you say, in, in terms of the covers they did, that they were always a, a homage to the song. There was never any wry irony or anything. I mean, Chris has um, clearly grown up a very big fan of Eurovision and and you could tell that and I, I say I think there was a, a sort of in, an integrity of spirit in, in everything that the whole band did Eurovision wise because they obviously did clearly commit to, to the whole experience which you know was nice to watch from a distance and then on the actual day when, when I went there to actually yeah experience it uh, firsthand. Were you involved at all with the Unser lead for Liverpool process or the lead up to Eurovision or did your role kind of stop once it got to like songs created and they're taking it from there? Yes the, the, the latter I found out that because at that points the the these three songs i was talking about we didn't know what would happen and then i think i'm getting the timeline correct that the album came out and then it emerged that they were going to be actually participating in the preliminary process for the uh very well pronounced actually unser lead uh my, my alas my my german's quite limited which is very fortuitous that Lose Lost actually sing in English because if, if they came to me for German lyrics, the, the the songs would just be about days of the week or yep. <laughs> ho- hopefully counting to 20 without messing up. So then it was just a case of uh, that Chris told me that they were actually participating in that qualification show. And I was, because I do, I do comedy. I was at um, a, a comedy gig in, uh, in Doncaster, which is just a, a, in the north of England. And I was, Trying to refresh my uh, my phone in the in the back of someone's car to see what <laughs> what the results were, uh, and because they, it it scored about middling in terms of the panel of judges, I'd got that information in the car, but it took ages and ages to refresh. At which point, I 
I'd resign myself to oh, maybe this this little uh, Eurovision adventure is ending here. But then actually, I got a message from a very dear Berlin friend of mine who's actually in both Scream Silence and Whispering to See, a chap called Robert Klaus, who sent me a photo from the celebrations that they'd just won. So that that was that was how I how I found out, which was a a nice way to find out actually. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's so great. As a songwriter and somebody who actually works in the music industry how do you watch your vision we watch it as fans and tv consumers and it's a television program but yeah with having the professional expertise are you also watching it just as a tv show or are you like listening to the songs in a way which is like oh i would have done this i would have done that quite often the first thing i'm listening to is is the lyrics and whether in the first verse um, I'm interested. Obviously, it needs to be, if it's an interesting lyric, it's obviously it still needs the uh, the the musical setting to be a- appealing as well because it limits the impact if it's a wonderful lyric, but the actual music's a, a repetitive dirge. But it does tend to be the the lyrics and the delivery of the singer as well there. And whether the words fit the delivery, as it were, whether it feels true. I've always been intrigued by it. I mean, quite often, because of comedy commitments, I'm quite often gigging away. So um, when that happens, avoid the result and and just watch it, watch it when I'm back. But I must, I must confess, occasionally in in that watching, I don't necessarily watch all of the songs uh, Mm -hmm. to, to their completion. I might fast forward a little bit. But that said, in terms of this year, 2023, I wouldn't have been doing a great deal of fast forwarding. Actually, I was, yeah, I was taken with uh, the vast majority of the songs. Yeah, and and with this year's contest, were you in Liverpool as well? I was just amazed at the level of what was going on in Liverpool. Like, were were you able to to be there? What was what was your experience like? Yes, it well, it's it, yeah, it was a it was a a long experience. Where one primarily because. There was a strike industrial action on the rail networks, which I wholeheartedly support. I've no problem with that. Um, they should get themselves a better deal because they they deserve it. But it did it did mean when I realised that I had to opt for a plan B because I don't drive, so it, I'm completely at the uh, mercy of the various travel networks. So I booked myself on a coach, but it meant I had to get a coach at uh, 5:45 a.m. Which, which is a bit of a challenge, which took me to, to Leeds. So that, that was about an hour. Then I had to wait in Leeds for an hour and 45 minutes and got to Liverpool at 11. So it took five and a half hours all in. But there was a moment on that coach, actually, where we, we stopped at, at Manchester and uh chap got on quite short hair, white T-shirts, um, green bomber jacket, jeans, and with a uh, Union Jack flag. And for a second, I thought, oh, no, there must be some big football match that I didn't know about. There's going to be a <laughs> there's gonna be a load of football hooligans singing, and oh, blimey, I, I hope he doesn't sit next to me. Uh, but he, he did sit next to me, and I thought, well, maybe best to defuse any potentially confrontational situation by by chatting to him. But no, he was on his way to Eurovision. Yes, a lovely chap called Aaron from Barnsley, whose husband was sat just over from us. Yeah, we had a lovely chat with him. Very nice fellow. But that was part of the experience for me in that 
at the uh, arena, whether mixing any dealings with any of the staff there or any of the acts or or any uh, of the audience. Everybody was just really nice and in a really upbeat, talkative mood. And it didn't matter that everyone had their own factions and their their flags and whoever they were supporting. I mean, it was an amazing atmosphere. It was like being at a... Uh, a uh, football or bracket soccer. I know that's what you call it. It was like being at. A, it, it, it was like <laughs> yes. it was. It was like being at a. I oh, will use that word reluctantly. Soccer uh, match where there weren't any. Um, uh, for want of a better term, there were. There, everyone was just. <laughs> yeah. in, and it was. I mean, this 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 might come across as overly optimistic, but it was almost a glimpse of a parallel world where where everyone greets each other in a in a friendly approachable way and you can be supporting something but it's not in any confrontational manner it's not derogatory to the to the person who stood three people away from you who might be supporting Italy or wherever there wasn't that faction it was still everyone was there to enjoy themselves they were hoping their country were going to reign victorious but in so doing everybody wanted every act to do really well you could really feel that and yeah that was maybe every day should be Eurovision yeah it it is it is such an electric yeah atmosphere in in the arena I got there about midday and watched it to, to, to the actual arena and I met, um, for the first time, actually, a chap called Rupert Keplinger, who co-wrote the song as well, because he's not in the band. He's a songwriter in his own right and, and uh, also in a few bands. And it was nice because I've collaborated with him, but only only remotely previously. So it was lovely to meet him. And then we went in and watched the, I think it was the one o'clock show, which was, again, was the whole show, a dress rehearsal, as it were. But I think it, it was for an audience. I think it was for people uh, with their children. So much of what i enjoyed is just like talking about meeting someone that you've collaborated with but haven't actually met in person was just like meeting up with a bunch of people we have either interacted with on twitter or had on the show but are based in different countries and just like hello we are in the same physical space isn't this great yeah no brilliant and for a a, a common cause that's that's a a righteous noble lovely one yeah it was it was beautiful for that one of the songs this year was austria's entry who the hell is edgar yes um, talking about songwriters and that they're not getting as much attention mm. as they should or mm. and also there's it's not a great time in the music industry for yes. anybody but particularly the songwriters yes. Yes. and did did you have a particularly strong response to that entry? As mentioned, Rupert, who uh, collaborated um, on, on Bliska as well, is from Austria. And so I sat with him and it was the first song as well, wasn't it? So we were both sat there and he he, you know, he pointed out, well, this, you know, this is from my country. And I'd not heard it previously. I'd heard a few songs, but I, I, I didn't want to immerse myself too much because I quite like the idea of seeing them for the first time in the flesh as it were. And yeah, I was really, really impressed with it, really enjoyed it. I mean, even if it had just been solely reliant on that ridiculously catchy earworm po 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 line, <laughs> that that in itself, I mean, they could have milked that for, for nearly the whole three minutes. But no, the fact that it 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 did have a a really superb um sort of lyrical uh conceits of somebody being possessed by the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe because obviously you wouldn't normally think of Edgar Allan Poe as being prime uh, Eurovision uh, reference points and yeah I, th- I thought it was fantastic and I, I, I loved the the line uh, gas station champagne I think that's lovely I, that, 
that's the sort of image that I would look to stick in a song because I just think it's really sort of evocative. Uh, 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 I like that kind of dichotomy. A bit sort of blood and glittery, I suppose, but gas station mm. and, and champagne. And yeah, the, the fact that they made a hook out of the uh, 0.003 royalty that you get from uh, a Spotify play it was, yeah, the, the, a, 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 an act of. Uh, Twisted, slightly twisted, genius, but it needed saying, and it and it and it was quite invigorating seeing in the uh, performance of it how yes the zero point zero zero three was very much writ large on on the screen. I had a bit of a chat with um, Ted and Selena, just told them that I thought it was a great song, which they seemed uh, quite pleased with. As they, obviously, I've never met them before, but yeah, I thought it was <laughs> I, I thought it was a great great song, and yeah, they they delivered it really well. That I thought the the whole delivery of it, I think, you know, it was brilliant. It was sort of semi, semi deadpan magnificence. Yeah, l- loved it. How did you feel about how things shook out with the scores this year? Uh, well, it was in terms of in the arena, it, it, it was obvious that Carrier uh, had captured the zeitgeist and then some. You could feel that energy anytime he appeared. Anytime he was on screen, he he certainly won the arena. I think, didn't he? Bless him. And it was a an electrifying performance and and very well staged. I think there was there was always something else about to happen in the performance, so it, it retained your interest. And then you thought you weren't going to get any more cha cha chas, and then you did, which was quite satisfying. So, as a slight aside, before the judging point, I, I'd had a bit of the um, the one bottle of uh, there was one bottle of champagne per table and fifteen cans of mineral water, which. Was interesting, but I don't like to mix my drinks, so I just I just stayed with a little bit of a champagne. But I nipped to the toilets, and uh, one chap in there, and he uh, he turned around, and we had a bit of a chat. He, very sweet chap, and he was complimenting me on my apparel, my sartorial choices. It was quite sweet. Oh, I like your suit and I like your hat and everything. And so I asked him, "Oh, what are you here for? Are you are you with one of the bands or the, the singers?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, my brother." And he pointed to the cubicle and. Oh, with the timing that you would expect from a film, actually to that moment, out of that toilet came uh, Carrier himself, which was a yeah, <laughs> a lovely, lovely moment. And we had a we had a little bit of a a, a chat ourselves, and uh, he referred to me as a, a a real cool English gentleman, which I will stick on one of my comedy posters as soon as I get the uh, the opportunity to. Yeah, but he was a lovely chap. He really did deliver on the night. I mean, similarly with uh, with Lord of the Lost, I thought they really did leave it all out on the stage, which is very much their default setting. I mean, I've, I've seen them uh, various uh, countries live because one, it's always nice seeing them, and, and obviously nice hearing words you've written being included and sang by people. But they are so good live. It was great seeing them deliver in their sort of trademark manner. I think I might say they were the only ones really who sort of connected with the audience just I mean in terms of that visceral yeah it felt like we were at an arena show for that yeah and like in terms of them leaving it all on the stage I was at the media rehearsal for when they were first walking out the grand final and just seeing them even in their casual wear giving their all was just delightful bless them it's what they do uh, with, with absolute aplomb 
and maximum attitude. And so it was amazing. And then obviously that was the point when they came and sat down with us and yeah, there was this uh, just feeling of uh, a job well done. And then obviously came the scoring, which was, uh, yes, uh, 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 underwhelming, shall we say. It didn't wholly feel representative because it... Because in terms of the uh, performance in the arena, it, it yeah, it was certainly one of the best received. I would say without any kind of bias, they delivered and they took the the audience with them. Because obviously, one knows that maybe that kind of genre of music isn't necessarily the first choice of every person sat in every seat in there. They they took them along and and felt like they they, they seduced the audience with their performance and their conviction. Which is obviously part of the Eurovision magic, I think, all the, all the sort of different types of music all under one banner. And so, yeah, inevitably, therefore, when, when the results started coming in, that was disappointing. But they are the sort of band who they, they have this indefatigable spirit, which I've witnessed sort of firsthand and their attitude to their career and their art is is quite quite inspiring really in that they're always pushing forward for example a few years ago they had this really big u.s tour booked maybe 40 dates all over and it was them and a band called kmfdm uh with when it came to it the they, they were told they needed to speed up the process um, and pay some thousands of dollars to to fast track it and they did all that and then were not allowed entry after that. So they were denied. And so it was a, clearly a, a significant setback and one with, if it was a band uh, who were more easily deterred by such vicissitudes, uh, might have put paid to them for the rest of the year. They might think they'd lick their wounds, but instead they... They turned that negative into a positive and they set up this songwriting camp that they all went to. So they all went to stay in this villa, I think it was somewhere in Spain, and with nice. them and a load of songwriters and wrote their, their next album. And that's, yeah, if we all take a little bit of their attitude, you know, you'd, lives would be a, a, a little bit easier. Um, so as I say, to, to, to go back to the scoring thing, yeah, obviously it wasn't what was um, expected, but they have they such an attitude of pushing forward and and a really uh, good sense of humour as well. So it wasn't like it immediately felt like a morgue in the aftermath of it in the in the in the sort of backstage dressing room area. But it, obviously, also, it wasn't what was. I think it's fair to say it wasn't entirely what was anticipated. But I still think there is something slightly sort of punk about if being bottom as opposed to being twenty third or twenty second or something. I mean, I, I'm I'm not trying to be flippant about that. There's still a sense that maybe, um, well, almost certainly, probably. Um, that, that it, one would think it might have deserved a little higher ranking, maybe even making it to the left side of the board, if I may be so bold. But it wasn't a career breaker for them. That's what they though. They're they're a fairly established act amongst yeah, this crowd yeah. of entries. So. And so it wasn't like everything was riding on it. And if it wasn't a success, that they split up in six months. I think today they they they've started their second tour supporting Iron Maiden so which again I think is a, is a little tribute to their diversity in the sense that they can 
they can do Eurovision and they can be completely convincing within that realm and look entirely like they belong. And then they can be on a stage in a, I don't know if it's a, if it's an indoor arena, if it, it's outdoors, it's in Finland anyway. And their conviction comes across there as well. Yeah, as I, go, I say, it goes back, I think, to the, what seems to be their sort of palpable sincerity in everything that they do. Bless them. With Eurovision, just getting onto that stage is is its own sort of, like, you, you are suddenly in front of a bunch of people who maybe didn't know about your band before, but now it's like, yes, more of this, and we'll immediately look up your back catalog and be delighted. No, indeed, I agree. And I, I, people have directed me to, to all sorts of uh, social media forum stuff where people seemed astounded by the bottom placing and were saying how it felt entirely unjustified and they'd absolutely loved it. It wasn't really a genre that they'd been exposed to previously, but they had become fans off the back of it, which is amazing that you can achieve that in, in two minutes and 59 seconds. Obviously, uh, there's a lot more goes into it than that two minutes, 59 seconds. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but, yes. But I mean, they put in the work. So <laughs> yes, indeed, absolutely, and and to to participate in in the competition is without not wishing to sound fatuous, but it is a, a significant achievement in itself, isn't it? Because obviously, so many people, I mean, would love to and 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 strive to, and obviously, every year only twenty six or twenty seven get to. So, would you want to do this again? Oh, blimey, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm more than happy for it to have been a once in a lifetime. That in itself feels like an amazing uh, adjunct. I'd be more than happy to make make myself available for pretty much any country. Yeah, by by all means. Yeah, um, hit me up. Is that the is that the phraseology? I was, I was pausing there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of an arcane old wardrobe myself. So my my yeah my. My uh, vernacular of the present day is probably a little stale. I only know hit me up in uh, Cowabunga, but I believe that one's prob- <laughs> that's probably a little older, isn't it? Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your stories about your experience at Eurovision this year. This was just fascinating to hear. Yes. Well, thank you. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really, really enjoyed the, the chats, you chaps. And yes, so and uh, keep on um, supporting Eurovision and. Because obviously, uh, every year it's a new adventure for you, isn't it? We joke that we never have a normal year. We never have like a normal Eurovision. There's always something to make it different, which is lovely. My one regret was I didn't really have time to partake in all of that, unfortunately, just because I was heading to the venue and I watched the first dress rehearsal show but just walking through the city center t- towards the venue yeah, it, it was uh, it was all encompassing wasn't it and again everybody seemed in a really good mood when I mean, it probably helped it was a beautiful day uh, but everybody there just seemed that like their spirits were, were lifted just a, just a little which is yeah the, the wonderful thing to to have witnessed and to have been a a, a, t- a tiny little part of it. and i did really like some of the songs as well i mean as mentioned the the austria one i, I, I really love that but I, I really like the estonian one as well alika uh, bridges yeah that's uh, that one uh, i must admit got me a little teary i just think it's a really fantastic song and it was brilliant to be able to watch it twice 
live at the two events that day. Yeah, day and yes, uh, both both times there was a bit of a uh, moistening of the iris, if that is the 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 correct. I, I, I don't know. I, I, my my mm-hmm. my ocular uh, knowledge is limited, but yes, it, yes, it did. It was. I mean, to be fair, so did the Lord of the Lost Boys. That they they got me a little bit weepy as well, knowing them and knowing how. How great the Irish people, and knowing that you've had a little part in that, yeah, that was a, that was a highlight as well. Is there anything that you'd like to plug or point our listeners to? Oh, there'll be stuff coming up um, in terms of songwriting that uh, that I, I shouldn't hex by mentioning now, just in case they don't come to pass. But I'm in mean a couple of um, bands for myself. I'm in one called Hungarian Lansons. That's a Sheffield-based guitar four piece it's my sort of songs and I'm the singer we're out on YouTube I make videos for the songs that mainly feature myself in sort of darkly amusing situations I'm also in a spoken word electronic duo with a fantastic human being from Berlin Rob DeVille and we're called Dreadpan uh, which I'm quite pleased with the name it took a while to think of that and we've released a few things as well and well, we're currently working on a new video. The song's called Some Births Aren't Worth the Bother. That's darkly comedic. It's not as stark as the, the title might imply. It's more of the litany of the personality traits of, of people that maybe we would all identify with. That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and all the info you need about Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Eurowhat, we catch up on all the news that's piled up since the end of the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest 